Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Consumer Technology Association. Each January, CES takes over Las Vegas to showcase the next wave of innovation that will change the world. From a robust show floor to inspiring conference programs and lucrative networking events, CES is a global stage like no other. Register today at ces.tech. Hi, welcome to Remote Controlled, Variety's TV podcast. I'm Deborah Birnbaum. Every week we'll bring you conversations with some of the best and brightest in television, working behind and in front of the camera. On this week's episode, we're talking to Neil Marin and Craig Zaden, the executive producers of NBC's Hairspray Live. So stay tuned. Hi, I'm Deborah Birnbaum, executive editor of TV at Variety. And I'm Mike Schneider, editor-at-large at Variety. And it's our pleasure to welcome this week's guests. We have Neil Marin and Craig Zaden, executive producers of the upcoming Hairspray Live on NBC. Thanks, guys, for joining us. Absolutely. This is fun. Great to be here. Yeah, this is your busiest uh, time right now. So it very, sure thank is. you so much for <laughs> we, <laughs> taking a break. We've got several hundred people back at the studio right now, all singing and dancing. That's what we like to hear. Yes. So tell us, how are rehearsals going? Rehearsals are going great. I mean... Uh, you know, Mark Shaman, who is the composer of Hairspray Sent Us, uh, Bob Greenblatt and Kenny Leon and Jerry Mitchell and some of the uh, creative team sent an email on uh, Wednesday morning saying he doesn't know how we're going to be able to get through the day. And Kenny Leon, our director, responded that their words and what the show is about is kind of an inspiration for helping everybody just get through it because it means so much and especially now so things are going well because i think everybody's finding great peace and solace and happiness in what they're doing it's certainly a great message for the times right now it is it was interesting because we did the movie and when we did the movie we always talked about the movie being a period piece and now doing the show it doesn't feel like a period piece it feels like these issues are current and sadly, but but we feel that it will bring a much needed evening of entertainment and healing when we broadcast this on December 7th. Well, we think that the best form of entertainment, first of all, is a musical. And it's always very important during uh, troubled times to be able to kind of go to a different emotion and that usually leads to song and dance and especially with Hairspray where you can have an entertainment where the message isn't as blatant you just know you get the message while you're being entertained and we think that that's kind of a a great way to kind of go in towards the end of the year. Well, the idea of doing these musicals, and you've done so many of them now for NBC, is it is the end of the year. It's time to bring the family together. It's it's sort of just a, a nice co-viewing experience with everyone. Um, do you is there something different about Hairspray this year? Do you feel any difference compared to some of the others that you've done in in past years? Well, each 
iteration has been different from year to year to year to year. This is our fourth one. I mean, when we were uh, doing, started with The Sound of Music, uh, we had this world-famous title and a world-famous recording artist at the, at the lead of it. And we kind of were reinventing this genre as we went forward with it. And then we kind of decided that we would play with the form each time out. So Peter Pan was a little bit different in its presentation in terms of it not being as proscenium. And uh, we had 360 sets where the camera can just travel around. And we had, it was a vast, vast space that we were dealing with. And that kind of went on to the different type of uh, presentation that The Wiz was, which was much more colorful. And we used LED screens. And and this, with, with Hairspray, it's the first time that we're going outdoors and we're using the um, back lot of Universal as downtown Baltimore where the Turnblad family lives and making great use of that about 40% of the show is going to be outdoors so we're kind of excited by that wow that's a new challenge it is but we're we're so excited this year because we've done them in New York and it's winter time and you couldn't even go outdoors to go to your car it was so cold and here the idea that we're going to do so much outside gives it scope and it, it makes it more epic and it gives you more it's, it's starting to feel more like a, a, a film musical like we did like on the big screen like when we did Chicago or the original Hairspray movie um, it feels like that where in New York we felt like we were sort of confined to a very small soundstage in, in Long Island and it, we didn't have the scope that we feel we have this year What's great is doing them year after year after year, you can play with this form and you can try different things. And it's kind of, uh, you know, it was done, this genre of live musicals was done a lot in the 50s and then it stopped. And uh, with with us re kind of inventing this genre, we're, we're finding new ways and new approaches all the time. So that's kind of exciting. So what have you learned through the experience of doing this? You mentioned this is your fourth time out. So what have you learned along the way? Um, You learn to kind of anticipate any problem of which there are every day because it's such a big production with so many moving parts that that you just have to be alert to it. And there's just more of a calmness and a stillness about the approach to the work because we have been baptized already. And um, it's just what we've learned is to take more chances to take more chances creatively, to take more chances camera-wise, to take more chances with uh, with our looks. So uh, it's 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 a great growing experience for us, for the audience, and we're glad the audience sticks with it because it's really very encouraging that that audiences can still enjoy musicals told in a different format. So uh, to us, having done. TV musicals on film and then live musicals and Broadway musicals to have a, yet another form to experiment with. We're, we're excited. Also, it's the first time we've ever used an audience for these live broadcasts. And the impetus for it initially was the fact that the Corny Collins show, which is part of the Hairspray story, has a live audience. So we couldn't even contemplate doing Hairspray without a live audience. 
So as much as, uh, you know, the, the obvious question would be, okay, this is, you know, you've already done this so many times. Is it a well-oiled machine? But it sounds like each time there's a new challenge. So do you feel comfortable a month out or it, it, are you as nervous as you've been in past years? Uh, we fe- we're feeling pretty good, actually, about Hairspray because we think we have an incredible cast. We know the material works. We've worked with the director before. We feel very, very happy with with the rest of the creative team that's new to it. But there are enough elements in place to bolster the newbies to our team. So we're feeling we're feeling really good, and we ju- we're just loving the opportunity to be at Universal. Talk about that cast because you've got a great mix of Broadway veterans, people who've done these roles before, like Harvey Firestein, but also a newbie, a newcomer in the key role. Yeah. Um, that's one of the thrills that we've had over the past two years is finding first in The Wiz we found uh, this young woman to play Dorothy Shanice Williams who came in through the door, an open call, no reality show. There was no reality show at all. She lined up as did Maddie Bailio who is playing Tracy Dernblad for us this year. That That's kind of thrilling to watch the journey of these young actors and what they go through and being surrounded by such incredible talent that uh, that they're working with uh, both on The Wiz and on Hairspray. And um, for Hairspray, it's kind of like a, a, an embarrassment of riches in terms of this cast. I think maybe because people love Hairspray, they love the idea of doing these live musicals, and we made phone calls to lots of people, some of which we've worked with in the past. And, of course, we were thrilled with the work that Harvey Firestein did for us last year on The Wiz. We hadn't secured the rights to Hairspray yet, but it kind of made sense to let... Harvey recreate that role that is so iconic and which nobody could do like him, which nobody can do better. And uh, then to have people like Jennifer Hudson, who we've had the good fortune of working with, and Kristen Chenoweth, who we've worked with many, many times, and Marty Short, and and, uh, newcomers like Ariana Grande and Dove Cameron from the the Disney movies and Garrett Clayton and... uh, so many others i'm probably forgetting a couple of names yeah i mean there are just so many this time you know usually you rattle off oh we have this person and this person this person but this year we're like oh my god and 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 what happens is that you look back now and you say god how do we get those people because when you start the process that's when you're really terrified because ahead of you is the, uh, you know the need to cast all these people and these stars and these names and they have to be names but they have to be able to do the job you can't cast people in stunt casting and then they can't do it so it, it's so intimidating when you start because you know we have, we have Bob Greenblatt calling us and saying okay you know who are you going to get and we go uh don't worry we'll get we'll get good people you know and then we we don't know if that's true and then we start making calls and and calling our friends and calling people we've known over the years and all of a sudden you look back once it's cast and you go how in the world do we get all those people it's amazing so we're, we're amazed ourselves I was going to say, you have quite a troop over the years. I mean, you've worked with so many people now, and, and you're so well-known in this field. I imagine when Craig and Neil call, uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, you know they, they quickly pick up the phone, and, and I imagine you have— You'd be surprised. Oh, Craig and Neil called. <laughs> it's that time of year again. They got oh, no. another musical oh, up no. their sleeves. Tell uh, them we're at the bakery. 
But how hard is it these days for you guys? I imagine it's it's probably easier than it used to be to uh, you know get get your uh, you know pick at the litter. You know, I I think we never take that for granted. I don't think ever. Says, oh, they're out there and they'll do it. But you'd be surprised. I think real artists really care about what they're going to do. They will do the favor if, if it works for us and them. It's never like really one-sided that, that they're going to do something that they don't feel they're capable of doing. So you just never know. You just never know what, what the mood is and what they're feeling, what they've done before, what they're going to be doing after, the availability of these artists. So you, it, it's it's timing and mood and, and just whenever that call comes in and the material, of course. A lot of it has to do, too, where we've spoken to a lot of friends who are stars who could be great, and they say to us, look, if you were doing a movie musical and we could pre-record and lip-sync, sure, but live, so if we hit a bad note, it's there for posterity, we're not going to go out there without a safety net, and people are scared to death of that still. I mean, they were more scared in the beginning when we started with Sound of Music, but now less so, a little less so, but still there are a lot of people who want to be in these shows, but they don't want to do them live. I was going to say, though, but certainly the track record of the success of these live musicals has to help your casting efforts. Yeah, and you I'm just announced Bye Bye Birdie with Jennifer Lopez. That's a huge get. Yeah. yeah, I mean, first of all, that was Jennifer Lopez's idea. She wanted to do Bye Bye Birdie, and she went to Bob Greenblatt, and then we got married, So, which, which is kind of a delicious marriage. Mazel that, tov. That, thank you. Thank you. I, I love it. And, and we're working, of course, with Benny Medina and Elaine Goldsmith-Thomas, and so it, it's, it's, it's working out really, really beautifully for us, and we, we kind of inherited Jennifer's great idea, and we kind of married her to a lot of our team. The same way, on, as well as us. <laughs> this is the same way on hairspray because we would have never thought to go to Ariana Grande, never. Um, because we, you know, you look at her and she's out there having this enormous career as a performer, as a recording artist, and they contacted us. Her manager called and said Ariana wants to do this, and we said, "What?" She said she wants to do it, and we said. Well, but, you know, she said, no, she, she loves the show. She loves this role, and she wants to do it desperately. And would you consider it? And we go, consider it? You know, are you kidding? Uh, so we didn't think of that. We didn't go to her. We didn't make a call. They called us. And, and the same way as Jennifer Lopez calling NBC and saying, I want to do Bye Bye Birdie. So what you're saying actually does make sense in terms of the success of these live musicals has has made it a little bit more open in terms of the environment of artists that want to dip their foot in the water and try it out. So so yeah, I mean so and and we're very happy about that because it means that that the more we do it the more it becomes a more established genre. There's also been a, a trend in recent years of big stars uh, returning to the stage, uh, going to Broadway. It seems like everyone wants to cut their chops on Broadway now. And of course, that means they're doing a live show every single night. So is, is there also, a, would you say there's a movement towards more big stars wanting to do something like this? Maybe it's a challenge. Uh, uh, are, are people more eager than they used to, to want to do live, want to do something different like this? I'd say more so in plays, though, on Broadway, because... When you do a play on Broadway, you do a limited run. So for a star, can take a couple of months off from a movie career or TV career. They can go do Broadway for a couple of months. If you do a musical, 
you have to commit to a year because you can't recoup. So that's a big thing. It's like when we did How to Succeed and Dan Radcliffe, his first job after doing the last Harry Potter was How to Succeed in Business on Broadway and he committed to a year. And that's rare that, that somebody will actually give you that. We'll have to stop now for a quick commercial break. We'll be right back with more Remote Controlled. This podcast is sponsored by Consumer Technology Association. C-Space is the CES experience for executives in the content, entertainment, and marketing worlds to understand technology's influence on our industry. Show floor exhibits, demos, and insightful conference programming illustrate the combined effect of technology and media. Come share content, creativity, and technology with other like-minded professionals and expand your creative innovations. Discover or flourish with C-Space. Register today at CES.tech. And now we're back with more of Hairspray Live with Neil Merrin and Craig Zaden. Speaking of plays, you're also talking about doing A Few Good Men. How are those plans coming along? You know, a few, we're, you listen, we're thrilled to be doing, to tackling that play. We love the play. It's, it's quite different than the movie. And Aaron has always wanted to go back to the play and tinker with it some more, which he's going to do. And um, it's really about the casting because it will be our first live play for TV. And unless we get that casting the way we think it's going to attract a big audience... We'll wait until we get that right casting. And so we're in the process of reaching out because when we're dealing with the type of stars that we want for this, a lot of mo- they're movie stars and a lot of schedules bump into the way. So we have to be able to juggle that and be patient. So we're really excited about it. We have a great team that's ready to jump in once we get that casting assignment. But, it, but it's like a jigsaw puzzle. All these, all these puzzle pieces need to work together, especially on A Few Good Men, because we don't want to fail, because it will be the first play that we've done, and it has to be right. Talk about the challenges, though, of doing a play versus a musical. Do you think audiences are ready for it? Well, I, I think that it's much smaller. The cost is much less. Everything about it is shrunk from what you would do on a big musical. So the challenges are less in terms of scope, in terms of size and cost. But in terms of uh, being successful, uh, it's really a challenge because can you get an audience to tune in and stay with you for three hours and do a drama? Although this is not the same as apples and oranges, but um, we produced uh, Raisin in the Sun on on Broadway, not on Broadway, on ABC, uh, after it was done on Broadway, not by us. And uh, we had the original Broadway cast, headed by, you know, Diddy. And we were on ABC for three hours, and it's uh, an African-American cast. It's a period piece. It's not uh, an entertainment. It's more very, very serious and, and uh, noble and, and, and intelligent. And we kept that audience and we got solid ratings for three hours. So it showed us that we could bring a really strong audience to a play on television if the title is right and the cast is right, which is why what Neil said is the most important thing. We don't want to make a move on A Few Good Men until we have the cast. If we have the movie stars to do it and people are going, wow, I want to see A Few Good Men with so-and-so and so-and-so and so-and-so, we have confidence that it would work. 
But if we sort of compromise and say, well, the people we wanted aren't available, so let's go with somebody else, we could fail. And we don't want to fail. So we're being very careful. You know, all of this is is uh, you know completely in your sweet spot. The the all these events. Uh, you know, we've been covering you for for so long. Um, and rem- sorry, <laughs> no, it's a good thing. Yeah. Hey, we've, we're all survivors. Michael looks exactly the same. He doesn't age. <laughs> yeah, bless you. Thank you. It's not true, but bless you. Um, but uh, you know, would you say this is kind of a golden? I, I know that term is used all the time, but a golden age for event programming. I mean, when you look at just the number of live events and and just the, the different productions that all the networks are doing yeah, right now. Yeah, I mean, it, well, it's a, people have written at infinitum that it's the golden age of television, you know, so we'll see how long the golden age lasts. But in terms of event programming, it seems to have swung back to what we started off doing when we were doing our event movies uh, in the late 90s and the early part of the new century. Right. And um, and it's it's great because we, we were hoping that the pendulum would swing back and we were actually just discussing in the car coming over here that uh, wouldn't it be great because of the political situation, not that it's a great political situation, but but sometimes in dire political situations, you're allowed to kind of express yourself a little bit more freely in terms of a, a stronger political point of view in the material you choose to produce. That in the, in the 90s, in the 80s and the 90s, they were very much issue-oriented movies that became the events of their time. And wouldn't it really be nice to be able to start doing things that can mean something to people that that can be about issues that people care about and maybe maybe that pendulum will swing in terms of the type of event, event programming that that will be on TV again i mean we're doing um hopefully next year not hopefully we will be doing next year we'll be doing a movie uh, for Lifetime about the uh, Flint, Michigan water crisis. And we'll have some pretty exciting announcements about that, turning that into an event. And But but that's the kind of thing that maybe you're referring to in just in terms of looking back upon what TV was so good at rather than the big event miniseries, the limited series now that, that take on trials and stuff. Can we do something that take on issues and political themes again? Is that going to be possible? Also, I, I wanted to say something about theater. Uh, we did an experimental TV show that we were very excited and proud of that didn't ultimately work out, which was Smash. And we thought that a lot of the experimentation we did was very interesting and very sort of daring at times and not daring at other times, which is why it didn't continue and succeed. But we came away from that feeling that there was still an interest in theater on television. And that's why right after Smash, we went into and did Sound of Music Live. And we proved when we had 22 million viewers, we proved that there was an audience out there for theater. And I'd say the single most exciting thing that happened was there was recently uh, a New York Times article which talked about that it was the biggest season of theater on Broadway in history this last year. And they credited that a lot of it, or some of it, 
had to do with the fact that these live shows, that uh, these live shows have brought theater to people in their living rooms, and it's a whole new audience that we're developing who then see the show on TV and then want to go to Broadway and see it live in a theater. So if that's the case, and again, we don't know that's the case, because uh, it'd be very presumptuous for us to say that, but if that article in the New York Times is accurate and it's true, uh, we're very proud to be able to expand the scope of theater in America to an audience that never had the opportunity to see these shows before. So do you have any plans for Bombshell? Oh, we oh, have. We yeah. Have big, we, ha- we actually have big plans for Bombshell. All right, do tell. We, well, we, we, we'll tell you what the plans are in general, is that we, are, we, we seem to be closing in on somebody that we're going to hire to write the book. It's, it's been kind of, uh, everybody's been busy. Mark, and, Mark Shaman and Scott Whitman have been busy with, uh, first he did Charlie and the Chocolate Factory in London, now they're doing the score for Mary Poppins Returns, and so they've been incredibly busy, but we're finding now the window where we can actually focus on it, and we've spoken to a number of people, and I think we've identified the person that we want to hire. We've, we've, um, we have mentioned the person to Bob Greenblatt, who's very much involved in the producing of this with us, and he's very keen on this. So we think that things will take shape in the next couple of months. And does that mean uh, any chance of any sort of revival of Smash? Has there been talk at all of oh, revisiting you know, it? Or? You know, like after we did the Bombshell concert in New York, we did a, a, a benefit concert of Bombshell with the most of the TV cast. Uh, we did a benefit for the Actors Fund, and it was their, their biggest fundraiser, which we're very proud of. And it was a great evening and we all were spitballing back and forth what if what if what if what if we did it on Netflix what if we did it on Hulu what if what if you know but nothing really happened other than we know that there's a desire on the part of the cast to take another whack at it and and on on a lot of the creative team and we have ongoing discussions about different ways of doing it but nothing other than what's what's, what's interesting about smash is that it's become a cult show but I've spoken to so many people recently who have seen it, and not one of those people saw it on TV. They, they got the DVDs, or they saw it on streaming on one of the sites. So this enti- there's an entirely new audience of Smash followers who literally did not one of them that I spoke to saw it on television. But so, if as many people have told me that they've watched it on TV, were truly watching it, we'd be as big hit as Game of Thrones. <laughs> so where were they? Well, you mentioned how it kind of feeds off each other, and Smash predated Hamilton, but of course, you know, it's sort of that environment that led to Hamilton. And Lin-Manuel Miranda did a guest star. I wonder if there's a connection. <laughs> Absolutely. But now you do have this Hamilton effect that has sort of introduced a whole new generation to, you know, contemporary musical theater, and I imagine that sort of helps helps you guys, too, as, as you sort of, you know, target a new generation. Well, I, I had this weird experience recently when I was in New York. I, I ran into somebody who said uh, something about Broadway, and I said, do you know anything about Broadway? And he said, only what I learned watching Smash. And I said, do you know that I produced that? He said, no, really? <laughs> so he didn't say it for my sake. Yeah. He actually believes that he knows about how theater works in New York because he watched Smash. Yeah. 
So you were educational. Well, uh, uh, yes. And, you know, it's something like at the bombshell concert in New York, people came dressed as Marilyn Monroe. They came as dressed as some of their favorite characters. It's crazy being in the lobby, like all these fans. They said, oh, can you sign my bro? What the, what the hell do you need my signature for? You know, it's like, leave me alone. You just watch the show. So what's on your wish list? I mean, you know, as you look to the future and think about the next, I mean, I know you've got already Bye Bye Birdie lined up, but yeah. what's on your wish list from the American Songbook? What would you want to do next? Well, it won't be old Calcutta. <laughs> uh, at least not for broadcast TV. Not, at least not for broadcast, no. I'd say every couple of days we talk about another show and another show and another show. And we're limited in that our time slot in early December uh, needs to be for a family audience around the holidays. So we can't, we can't do rent, for instance. We can't do shows like that. We need to do shows that would work for the entire family uh, and be family friendly. So it does limit the amount of shows we can do. And uh, there, there's actually another show we're sort of in negotiations for that would happen after Birdie if the deals work out. Again, the deals are so complicated with Broadway that you just never know. Well, and has it gotten more uh, competitive, too, now that other networks are in the game, other producers are in the game? Yes and no. You know, it's, it's, still, it's still a a big challenge for any network to kind of go forward with these events. And, and I think we have a very strong champion in Bob Greenblatt who just loves this genre and is dedicated to it maybe even more so than we are that is determined to keep this genre alive on TV. So I don't know if anybody at any other network has that same fervor as Bob. And we wouldn't be in this place. We are without Bob. And um, and frankly, because Bob is behind it so much, he really did rev up the entire network because they really look forward to this every year. And they, they find great, great happiness in doing these musicals because it's kind of a, a bonanza for them. I mean, everybody gets to participate. So the, the real champion, the real hero of this story is Bob Greenblatt. You know, it's interesting because these shows need a champion. You can't do them without a champion. Um, a quick story, when we did Chicago and it won the Oscar, right after the Oscar, Neil and I did a tour of movie studios and we met with the presidents or the chairman of each studio just to sort of check in and say hi and all of that and we went to their offices and we sat down and they talked for the first 20 minutes religiously about how great Chicago was and what it meant to them and how great the movie was blah 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 and they finished talking and we asked the same question would you have produced it? Would you have, as a studio, made Chicago? And they all, everyone said no. And it brought home the fact that if it wasn't for Harvey Weinstein, Chicago would have never been made because nobody would have the courage to make a movie like Chicago. Same thing applies in television with Bob Greenblatt. If it wasn't for Bob Greenblatt doing these musicals, they wouldn't exist because nobody would have given them a chance. Or doing Smash. I mean, Bob, we developed Smash at Showtime with Bob, and then when he went over to NBC, the first thing he brought over with him was Smash. And then when we called Bob, well, first of all, the, the genesis of these live musicals on TV is that uh, Bob called us one day and said, 
hey guys, how would you, what would you think about doing a new TV movie of Oklahoma? And at that point, we had been discussing doing, regenerating this live musical genre. And so we had already had conversations with the Rodgers and Hammerstein people about Sound of Music, and then we pitched them Sound of Music Live as maybe a bigger and more inventive and a more buzzy way of going. And without hesitation, instantly he got it. And and that was the start. Wasn't had to talk him into it, wasn't had to twist his arm. He understood. So what's the one thing you're most looking forward to about December 7th? Well, um... I'm excited about doing this show because we love the show so much. And um, we're excited about the experiment of being outdoors and indoors and on two big sound stages on the Universal lot. And I'm excited about working for the first time with a live audience. And I'm excited about seeing the reaction in the country to the subject matter about racism and, and integration. And I'm excited to see how social media responds to it. And finally, I'm excited, of course, to see what the ratings are like the next day. And uh, I'm excited uh, knowing that at 8 o'clock or 5 p.m. West Coast time, there's no turning back. And then uh, we just have to deal with it. It's like the curtain going up on a Broadway show. It's previews, opening night and closing night, all at the same time. And then uh, we have our our closing night party, and then on to the next, on to Birdie. (laughs) Well, best of luck. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us. This was fun. Thanks, guys. Looking forward to it. Thanks for listening to this week's episode. We'll be back next week with another great guest. We've got Lee Daniels, the executive producer of Empire and the new show Star. This has been Remote Controlled, only on Variety. This podcast is sponsored by Consumer Technology Association. The Entertainment Summit, presented by Variety, showcases emerging technologies and popular themes in entertainment. See how pioneers and innovators of the entertainment industry are transforming today's digitally savvy audiences. Learn how titans in the industry are taking risks and snapping up opportunities to succeed only at the Entertainment Summit, presented by Variety. Register today at ces.tech. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.